0: This is CT Startup. Your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Now it's time to enter into a world of innovation, a world of human struggles, heartbreak, and achievement. And most of all, a world of wonder. Welcome to CT Startup.
1: Hi, we are here, CT Startup, Uh, interesting group of folks for you this morning, different kind of business. Uh, Here with Sam and Ryan Rattel. Ryan is a theatrical producer and co-founder of Triple R Productions. Sam is his partner in crime and a composer, a professional composer. Uh, These two gentlemen live in Manhattan, but have Connecticut roots, and uh, really excited to bring them to the podcast today. Good morning.
2: Good morning. morning. Excited to be here.
1: Tell us about your business.
2: Our business is multi-tiered. So we um, are the co-founders of Triple R Creative, which is a new company that we started um, in October, yeah? the company itself has three tiers. It's a branding agency. We have a PR department and we have an image direction department. So we mostly deal in the entertainment and the fashion worlds. I come from I have a Broadway background. I've been a theatrical publicist for 13 years. Sam uh, is a creative director and it comes from the world of fashion and is also a composer. So we past year decided to combine forces and create this new this new agency. So we're we're handling everything from Broadway stars to Broadway and off-Broadway productions to restaurants and fashion companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're having a great time. We, as I said, we, we just launched our company in, in October. I left my firm that I've been at for over a decade. And started just took the leap and started this company. Yeah,
1: it's wonderful. How how does it feel?
2: It's been great. It's been um, it's been really busy. We're um, we're business partners. We're also married so it's uh, all of the lines (laughs) blur. Right. Uh, We often find ourselves out to dinner in the city and all we're talking about is, is business. So We have to remind ourselves to kind of separate a bit. Uh, we also have theatrical productions that we're working on some pieces that i'm producing sam has also composed a, a piece of his own and so in addition to our company, which is sort of the main revenue stream for our household, we're also now producing these these great projects. So it's uh, it's it's very busy. So we were happy to be with family in Connecticut in the yes. quiet corner. Uh, <laughs> you know, just, just Such, sitting right. at home and, and catching up with family. It was right. it was really great. Good, good. Yeah.
1: Okay, so let's let's take us in pieces. Yes. All right, so let's talk a little bit about first, we'll talk about a little bit about the Broadway production work you do because sure. it's so unique and I think so interesting for our audience. Um, take us through, for example, one of your projects. Pick one. Um, the different stages, the different phases of development before it goes live.
2: Sure, sure. So my love is, is theater. I've I've always been a theater person. Um, I went to school for theater, and uh, I actually was in Hartford for about three years running Hartford Children's Theatre, yes. um, which has now been absorbed by Hartford Stage. It's really exciting to be looking out and seeing Hartford. It's changed so much since I've been here, but a really terrific city and um, I had a great time. So one of the projects was developed through Hartford Children's Theatre. I came here and you know Hartford is such an interesting town there's there's a you know there's such a tremendous amount of diversity here both economic and and really everything else it's it's really fantastic so um we had hartford children's theater had an education program and a main stage program which i oversaw and our education program would go to a number of schools and you would go to a you know a great school in west hartford that had a tremendous amount of wealth and the kids had a, a huge appetite for theater and were really excited to participate you'd go three steps down the road and be at another school where the kids equally as excited but unfortunately never had the opportunity to see a theatrical production and had a lot of challenges in their in their daily lives. So when I saw that, I, I decided to develop a program called Hartford Children's Theater on the Road and we commissioned, we took books, um, children's books and turned them into plays and musicals. Um, and then we would send those shows on the road and they would go to these schools. It was mostly grant funded, which was really terrific. Um, And it would give these kids the chance to get a book um, go through the, the book, meet the characters, learn uh, all of the valuable lessons. Every book, of course, that we chose had a real reason for, for being the selection. Um, and then they would get to see these characters come to life at their school, on stage. They could meet them. Um, they could do talkbacks. They could meet the authors. It was such a well-rounded, really balanced experience for these these kids, and to see children, you know, ages uh, anywhere from 4 to 12 light up when they yeah. saw a theatrical production for the very first time, which is something that I've done since I was a little child and I guess took for granted, um, seeing them beam was really really fantastic and, and made us want to keep going. So um, one of the projects that uh, I, I picked up was a children's book called Merrily Mannerly, which is by two Connecticut authors, two lovely ladies from um, this area, Avon, and they've since moved, they're all over the place. Right. Um, but uh, Mary Cashman and Cynthia Whipple, and um, I saw them do a, a reading of this book at the Mark Twain house. And it was, it's really fantastic. The book, first of all, is illustrated by the woman who illustrated for Mattel. She did Barbie oh. throughout all the years. So it's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. Um, but it, you know, in a very fun way, it tells a story about these girls who, um, you know, the, the young eight year old Marilee who inherited her grandmother's manifesto of manners. So she knows everything there's to know about manners. And a princess moves in next door, Princess Posey. And it's sort of the most exciting thing that's happened in her eight year old life until she learns that the princess is from the land of no manners. (laughs) Uh, And she's just crazy. Um, So throughout this this tale, um, they both learn from each other. Uh, The princess tames, you know, learns to. Um, maybe refine some of her manners, and Merrily decides that maybe she's a little too rigid and she could she could uh, loosen up a bit. So it's really terrific, and I think in this day and age when we're really struggling to um, be kind to one another and have respect for each other and manners, and together, this is a great story to then put on stage and and show kids when they're very young, remind them of the golden rule. Um, I know there's a lot of adults in our lives that could also <laughs> right, <exactly. laughs> you know, benefit from that story.
0: Um,
2: so I, you know, I approached them, we decided to turn it into a musical. In the meantime, I moved back to New York City, took the project with me, yes. and we've been working on that ever since. Um, now, uh, going back, you mentioned challenges, and yeah. after I went on that tangent about the, the The story, but um, challenges in bringing a show to fruition on a New York stage are there are so many. First of all, you have to develop the piece, right? So you have to find the right people to tell the story. So we coupled, you know, Mary and Cynthia, tremendous writers. They've never written a musical before, right? So we have to find a composer and a lyricist and a book writer to help adapt their original story into something that can be told in a compelling way in a theatrical setting. Um, so we, we found a composer-lyricist, um, Jeff Loden, Bill Squire, who teamed with the ladies and myself and we created this this great hour-long musical. And that, that process in itself takes a bit of time, right? Because you have to, you know, the, they all go away, they write, we come back, we do a table read of the piece, figure out what works, what doesn't work. You go back and massage that, do rewrites, and, and that process is, is a bit... Um, Takes a bit of time. And then once you have that and you have a draft of a script that you're really happy with, you then have to put it in front of people and Mm -hmm. see if it actually works. Mm -hmm. And you have to put it in the hands of actors and a director and a choreographer and a music director and rehearse that. Um, And we had the opportunity to do that in a theater um, here in Connecticut in New Canaan, Summer Theater in New Canaan they saw a reading of the piece, loved it, and and picked it up. So we did a production a couple summers ago. That gave us the opportunity to have actors and sets and costumes and invite children and families to come and see it. And so for us, that was a great um, focus group, because we, you know, if you look at the book, it's a big bright pink book with, you know, two girls and princesses and cupcakes and, um, as a commercial producer, my immediate thought is, well, will boys like this? Yes. Or is this just something that can be marketed to young girls? Uh, which we are careful in the development process. There's, you know, uh, as I mentioned, the princess comes from the land of no manners. So that's a town called Everrood. Um, <laughs> and so we get to see the land of Everrude and the ensemble portrays all of the villagers there and they are rude and Funny, and we learned that the boys immediately latched on to that and and really loved it. Um, there's audience participation. The boys were the first ones to run up to the stage and yeah. dance with the princess. Okay. Um, so you know, it it was great for us to see. Will this yeah. work? And do yeah. we want to put hundreds of thousands of dollars behind this? Yes. Um, and so we learned. Yes, we do. And. Um, we also learned that the kids had so much fun, yeah. which was a great uh, goal. The adults, the parents had fun. We made sure that there were jokes in there that um, worked for the adults who had to sit through this with their, their children. Uh-huh. Uh, and so we learned everyone had a great time, and then the kids walked away and thought, oh, darn, maybe I maybe I learned something in that hour uh, while they were dancing and laughing and enjoying the characters. So. So great. So now we know that we have a product. That's fantastic. Well, now we have to raise the money, right? Mm-hmm. Now okay. we have to find a theater. We have to find a cast. We have to find all of the people who work on the show to sell the tickets to, uh, you know, get people to come and see this. So we've been hard at work, f- kind of you know filling all of those buckets and making sure that we're lined up for success. Theatrical productions too are are, are a bit tricky. A lot of them don't return their money. Um, you know, Broadway shows are very expensive to run. Um, this is not a Broadway show, but I work on many Broadway shows. Um, Spider Man, which we had a quick chat about when when I first got here, I worked on that production, and it has the um, it has it's the most expensive show that's ever been produced. On Broadway, so it cost about eighty-four million dollars. That's amazing. Uh, most musicals cost, you know, fourteen, fifteen. Um, There's some right now that are happening that are, you know, maybe twenty million dollars. Um, but when you look at that, you know, it's not. A TV show that that is blasted out to millions and millions of people. You're in a Broadway house, so you have a thousand tickets to sell at X amount of dollars. It takes a long time to make that money back. Yes. So and if, no
1: reruns. You know, you know, there's yeah, a, yeah, there's, yeah. There's a one-shot <laughs> deal. One shot. And you know, very limited advertising revenue. So, so you've very got limited. tickets only, primarily. Yeah. Um, and this is there's tremendous pressure on you know filling the seats Absolutely. for every single every performance. single
0: performance. So- yeah, yeah, yeah It yeah, is yeah. yeah I mean it's so
2: risky There's a um, lot of yeah. There's a lot of pressure Involved yes. in that And so when you When you're trying to recoup 14 million And you have X amount of seats And you know Generally a show If it does really well Can recoup in a year Or two years something like Spider-Man where you have $84 million to recoup, it's much harder to do that. So you have to start thinking outside of the box, how can, you know, when can we tour it? Can it go into a stadium? Can it, all of the different things. And so with Merrily, which, you know, is about $250,000 to produce, <laughs> right. right? Which seems in comparison, you know, like I should just have that in my wallet, right? <laughs> um, it's also, that there's also a challenge there because you want to make sure um, you know, again, the price point of the tickets for a children's show are, are much less. Right. You know, you can pay $150 or $184 or 250 for a premium seat to go see Book of Mormon or Waitress or any of the other shows that are on Broadway. You're not going to pay that for a one-hour children's show. Right. So our, you know, it takes us a little bit longer sometimes to get there. So we've been trying to build a plan that gets us there as fast as we can Um, You always plan on having at least half of your house full, right? Because you don't want to build a plan assuming that you're going to be sold out every day, right? (laughs) Right. You want to be and you hope to be and you're going to work towards that, but that's not always the reality. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that your budget numbers work at 50% or 40% um, and even sometimes lower. Um, we're trying to build out merchandise because that can also get us to a faster recoupment. We have this great, bright, fun children's show, so can we look at Netflix? Can we film it so that we can then distribute it through one of the streaming platforms? Can we um, sell it to Nickelodeon and have them do an animated series? The the art in the book is already so beautiful. Can you animate that and break down all of the lessons into an episode each a week? Um, Thinking of all the ways to make sure that the people that I bring on, who are trusting me with their their dollars, and granted, again, I'm not asking for millions. I'm asking for much less, but I want to make sure that I can return that, and then and then some. Right. Um, and and as we're starting our the sort of uh, production part of our company. I want to make sure that we earn people's trust right away. That they know that we're doing everything that we can to ensure success, and uh, and for us too, because the more money we make on this project, the more money we have to put into another project that might be bigger, and and you know, we can we can keep going with that. So, so lots of you? challenges.
1: Yeah, lots. Uh, where yeah. are you right now in the process? We're
2: close. So we're um, that's that's sort of what I'm doing this summer is raising money. So I'm I'm going everywhere and and kind of pitching this project and trying to capitalize the budget so that in the fall we can bring merrily to the upper west side so we have a theater that wants to work with us um the upper west is sort of a great spot to do a children's show it's sort of uh you know sam and i always laugh when we're walking the dog because we're we're dodging strollers and you know kids everywhere so it's a great um it's a great spot to put merrily and her and her friends okay
1: so you've done so you've looked ahead you're, you're fundraising now yes but you've looked ahead all the way through to the production yeah and, and, and you know.
2: beyond yeah and what happens when we tour and do we have the right people in place to tour this production are we speaking to the right theater so that once we're up and running we know that we can send the show to florida to north carolina all you know all of the different regional uh, theaters throughout the country
1: that's oh, fascinating fascinating and sam what is your role in this
0: um, you know, specifically for our productions, I, I've been taking a lot of lead way from Ryan. I, I think it's really, really great to learn from him as a producer. I myself come from a professional background, but it never was in the theater, you know, so my background creatively mostly comes from working in the music industry and in fashion. So I got to see a different side of things. Um, which and, is great which because is, it offers yeah. a
2: different perspective that maybe we're not always thinking about in the theatrical world. Sam can look at it from a different perspective and say, Well, why? Why are you doing it that way? Because in the theater, we've you know right. we have a model and we've done it a certain way for a long time. And so if we can yeah. shake that up in some way, that's that's what we look to do.
0: And for me, that is my biggest question. It's like, why are we doing this? Like I don't uh, why do we have to do it this way? and And for me, my understanding, as I get into it, Deeper is that the industry itself—it's a little archaic. It's also somewhat segregated. And uh, for me, I I personally feel that art form is not only something that sometimes tells the tale of the times. And if you're kind of not really looking at what's out there, you don't really know what's happening, and you're not really putting out work that resonates with what people are going through, which really can, you know, increase your sales. Uh, But at the same time, you're also not. Reaching the maximum level of art form that you could sustain. So I, I really try to stir the pot as much as I can when we work together to figure out how can we step outside of what's normal. What, what other audiences can we reach? Are we going to different types of producers? You know, I know friends who, let's say, they go out to the Hamptons and they're you know spending forty thousand dollars on a bottle. Well, that could be a certain number of points in the theatrical production, but we don't think about it that way.
1: Right, right, right. So. Do you think that you will be changing the model?
0: Um I think you know it really starts with asking questions. I think we are working on that. That really is for us uh, what we we like to start doing is we like to figure out how can we do things differently yeah. how what what are people doing? What are people responding to? You also kind of have to look at your consumer nowadays. I feel like in the past, especially prior to technology, kind of booming off. Mm-hmm. Um, the ball was on the court of the creator, and now it's on the court of the consumer. We're creating things that people want because they want them. So if they're not really interested in the work, it's not really going to go anywhere.
2: Now stars are being created from YouTube. from you know, It's how many followers do you have, how many likes do you have, how many views do you have, and that's kind of showing us uh, what to develop. Sam actually, Sam comes from, he was raised in a religious cult. He uh, is from Honduras originally and broke free at about 16. And so he, when we met, he, he's a composer, as we mentioned. He was a singer-songwriter. He was writing pop music and um, he had a concept album and he had this way that he wanted to tell it and theatrically sort of produces his concerts. The music model has changed so much, unless you're Beyonce and someone's giving you millions of dollars to produce Mm, a tour, that's not happening. Um, Because my background is in the theater, I said to him, why don't you consider, you have such a, I mean, it's a crazy story, right? You say religious cult and (laughs) everyone perks up, right? Uh, So can you tell that in a theatrical piece? Can you apply that music, turn it into a musical and tell the story that way? So we're working on his musical called A New City um which does just that. It kind of tells his his life story and, and this era when Handmaid's Tale is so popular and Leah Remini had the Scientology series that are so interesting. It's it's as he was saying, it's some it's a topic that's relevant. Yeah. And it's a story that people are are interested in in hearing. So we're in the very early stages of developing that musical, but he has a, a full score. And uh, now we're going through all those steps, figuring yeah. out what do we need to do, how do we staff this, where do we find a book writer, how do we put together all the elements so that we can start raising money for it and, and figure out what its life is going to be.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's so, so common premise is that you have content, right? Yes. We have, lots, you, of, we have lots, lots, of lots of content Lots of content, right? And that content in the past was captive by the theater model sure
2: you know it was captive geographically
1: it was captive in time you know there was a very standard way of thinking about a theater run sure and you made your money or you didn't make your money in a certain amount of time in a certain number of seats you are challenging that aspect by saying look the content has it's boundaryless it has many different ways to be distributed to find an audience and to be monetized quite frankly well beyond the theater run.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: Do your models, and when you talk to investors, uh, do you find that investors have an appetite for non-traditional ways of monetization? Or are they really still looking at it as a theater run?
2: Yeah, I I think it takes a little more convincing for sure. And you know, every investor as you know is different and people are looking to get different things out of it. Some people just want to go to opening night. Some people want to meet the star that's starring in the show. Some people find a piece of art that they love and they know that maybe it won't make money but they want to support that art. Other people look at it as a a business, which it is. If you you have the right ingredients, you end up with You could end up with a wicked and then you're set you're making a tremendous amount of money off of your I worked with Andrew Lloyd Webber for years Phantom of the Opera. I know people who invested uh, Michael Moore the documentarian Invested in that he had just made his first film and he put in I forget what he said something like $10,000 or $40,000 a relatively small amount of money and it has paid him back in enormous ways because yeah. that show's run for 30 years. Right, right. So um, yes, it, it does take a little convincing. Um, you know, something like Merrily Mannerly. it's a smaller investment, right? I'm not asking you to give me $250,000, that's our entire budget. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for 15,000 as an entry point. Um, so yes, people get people are nervous, and people you say theater to certain investors who are sophisticated, uh, they it can make them a bit nervous. But when you again, everyone responds to facts and numbers. So when you can sit down and show them exactly how we plan on doing this, and again, I never proclaim to I can't guarantee that you're going to make your money back. I can't guarantee this is going to be a success, but I can show you all the ways that I plan to make it one. And if I can convince you of that, whether it's traditional or non-traditional that's that's my goal
1: okay wonderful well let's wrap up by telling people how to get in touch with you
2: sure yeah check us out on uh triple r creative which is rrr creative.com or triple
0: r productions.com you can follow us yeah on instagram yeah on instagram For sure. twitter and facebook yeah triple r creative yeah. Wonderful. Sam coming in coming in with the save at the last minute. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 He's, he our, knows. he's our tech guru. Yeah. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thanks for what having a fantastic us. story. Really and we wish you the best of
1: luck. Thank we you. It. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much
0: for having us. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut Startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. Finally, we would like to thank both Sublime Exposure Online and Mirtha Kalina for providing resources and space to CT Startup, which make this show possible. See you next week.